0: Welcome to the Silicon Curtain podcast. Please like and subscribe if you like the content we produce. It will really help to increase the popularity of our content in YouTube. Now, we need experts on Russian society and politics more than ever, not just to understand the war and its origins, but to, what, to understand what comes after it. Today, I'm joined by just such an expert, Ksenia Kirillova is an investigative journalist and analyst. She offers her expert views on several services of Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty with a focus on analyzing Russian society and mentality. For this podcast, we are especially interested in her deep knowledge of the mechanisms of Russian propaganda, including that targeting the US, active measures, and foreign policy. Ksenia, Is author of several hundred articles, including research on Russian propaganda and soft power for the Atlantic Council, the Jamestown Foundation, British Institute for Statecraft, EU Today, British Canadian Security Project, Defence Project, and the Ukrainian language media Kiev Post and Euro Maidan Press. In the United States, she has cooperated with the Associated Press, Newsweek, Daily Beast, AB7, and other media outlets. Now, let's get down to the questions. So the first one I want to launch it with, uh, and this is a question that's been asked across all sides of the debate surrounding the war, is whether it was inevitable. Those who see it as a clash of superpowers with overlapping spheres of influence or part of some huge historical global sweep will say, yes, it's inevitable. But You also think it was inevitable, but for very different reasons, don't you?
1: And yes. So uh, I think to understand uh, about uh, Russian propaganda, you you prefer to focus on the international uh, propaganda, Both,
0: actually. I'm interested in both, you know, internal propaganda for control and external propaganda for influence.
1: Yes, uh, so uh, I think it's better to start from the domestic in- internal propaganda, and first of all, uh, I think uh, just the basis. Um, it's it's impo- also important for uh, people in the West to understand Putin's mentality, because many people just cannot understand what it's impossible to negotiate with him. You know that Macron and other people still believe that it's it's possible to find some compromise. But the problem is uh, some postulates in Putin's mentality, in Chekist's mentality, probably know the word Chekist. It uh, comes from uh, Cheka. It's the first name for the KGB. So uh, Russian special services. And um, uh, some postulates make uh, negotiations with Putin very difficult. First of all, uh, it's, uh, as I called it, an unconditional enemy. That means that Putin believes uh, not only that the United States is his main enemy, but that uh, it has one goal uh, to destroy Russia um, regardless of Russian behavior. That's a very dangerous postulate because yes, we adult people, we know that every country has its own interests uh, and sometimes uh, all, all countries have uh, contradictions in uh, uh, spheres of influence in some economic issues, it's natural. But goals, forms and level of such a position, it's completely uh, depends on country's behavior. Uh, but uh, for in Putin's mentality it becomes like a fulfilling prophecy so uh, because if you believe that you will be destroyed anyway no matter what that means you can do everything because it cannot influence on something so it's a postulate of uh, unconditional enemy it's um it's very dangerous things as a second point in putin's mentality he considers a people and nation not as actors but uh, rather as targets to be manipulated so as some subjects who uh, don't possess uh, their own will and from this follows the appropriate attitude towards such uh, sub-objects. They can be bribed, bribed, intimidated, and eventually eliminated. It doesn't mean that uh, Putin and uh, his assistants don't understand processes as such. Uh, they they are very well in understanding uh, processes which are a result of someone else's influence and manipulations. That's why they are good in so-called active measures. We will talk about it uh, later, uh, definitely. But the problem is uh, that he considers and all Russian special services consider all processes in the world as a result of someone else manipulation. That's why, uh, and of course, uh, Putin doesn't understand uh, natural processes, uh, natural results of his own actions, uh, especially some uh, irreversible ones. Uh, and uh, so it's just that, that's why it's so hard to negotiate with him for example he asks the west to give uh, him up ukraine but it's just simply impossible because ukrainian people don't want uh, to live under putin's rules especially after all putin's war uh, the and first, doesn't he find uh, this difficult
0: uh as you said he believes there are negative or selfish motivations behind everybody's thinking. And doesn't he find it very difficult to understand that there may be pure motives in some people's minds when they protest, when they seek freedom from coercion, he believes that there's always some dark power Behind it,
1: you are, you are absolutely right. Uh, yes, of course, his mindset is also spoiled by, by his own meanness, let's say so. Of course, he judge uh, people by himself and he cannot uh, even suspect any pure motivation, but accepts that he probably could even believe in uh, pure motivation. If it's results of, for example, Western propaganda, so he could believe that people are uh, brainwashed by the waste, by the CIA, and so on. Yes, the first his admission will be that people are simply paid money by the CIA or something like this. But yes, he could admit that people could have some innocent motivation but e- even in this case he believes that such kind of motivation is a result of someone else active measures mm-hmm. uh, and uh he cannot understand natural reaction they probably not so pure but they are natural mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the main problem. So if people are objects, they cannot uh, have their own will. And from this uh, follows the um, third postulate. Uh, I, I call it uh, the logic of serfdom. So um, uh, such a postulate derives from previous ones, and uh, you probably know the word Serfdom, it's a Russian form of slavery. So uh, before the Bolshevik Revolution, peasants were considered as a part of land, also as a property. And uh, here's the same mindset. Um, uh, where I, I can describe in, in my phrase, everything that was once Russia must remain its. So if Russian citizens choose the other country, that are traitors. If Ukraine once was a part of a Russian Empire and the Soviet Union, it should remain Russia. And it sounds scary, but it's logically, in his mindset, if uh, it's a property, if people don't have their own will, if they can be manipulated by propaganda and nothing more, yes, they should be a part of Russia. They are part of this land. So, uh, And another problem with Russia that all Russian foreign policy, uh, it's a result of uh, some internal processes. That's also uh, people in the West don't fully understand sometimes because we used to some normal logic. So uh, we used that the country, every country has its own interests. So uh, if you make some concession in this interest, it's possible to come to agreement and so on. It's a normal formal uh, foreign policy. But unfortunately not in Russia, because in Russia, uh, for example, the case with Ukraine, it's a vivid demonstration of this. Uh, you probably remember Putin's numerous says about Russian and Ukrainians being one people and all, this, all his crazy ideas. First of all, of course, Putin's main goal is to maintain his power inside Russia uh, to continue to steal money, to, um, to increase his rating and so on. Of course it's true. But uh, Mikhail Khodakovsky recently said that every old gunster uh, in the end of his life needs some, uh, to create some mission to justify his bloody and senseless lifestyle all his previous uh, way. So I truly believe that Putin uh, believes in this uh, uh, his special historical mission to unite all Russian lands and so on. Yes, it's done it, it, it's uh, absolutely mm, it, it's combined with uh, his um, other goals but yes all he says about ukraine that means that putin uh completely denials uh is it, he cannot uh, come to terms with the ukrainian independence with the existence of independent ukraine as such and this is one of his main motives, and um, the second, the second uh, example of rationalization. It's um, if we talk about Russian domestic propaganda, it's my favorite one. Explanation, uh, for example, the concept that now in Ukraine Russia is struggle with the with the neo-colonial uh, yoke new western oppression so for russia it's a war for uh, for its independence don't ask me where is connection between destroying the neighboring country and russia's independence don't don't try to find any logic but my favorite point is uh how russian um Propaganda uh, explains uh, uh, how this yoke is manifested itself. What is the Western yoke? Your versions.
0: Absolutely. Now, this is this is a really interesting point. Isn't
1: oh, it? I, I'm just interested in your versions. Uh, how do you think? Uh, what what do they mean? Talking about the Western oppression in Russia, about the new Western yoke? but that works
0: with a small percentage of the population that works putting the blame on nato exactly saying that it's western well, imperialism that some people la- believe it.
1: Russian majority. so yes uh do you, do you have any or a- any options of the western york no. okay <laughs> I, I i i will solve this mystery the west the western york means that russia has a colonial administration For all these 30 years, just a humble question, Putin is the head of the Russian administration. Does it mean that he is a Western agent or agent of the world government? Okay. Uh, And uh, Russia has to pay tribute to the West in the form of money, which Russian elites uh, took abroad plunder in the country. So that means that Russian propagandists themselves admitted uh, that they are destroying and bombing uh, the innocent country because they cannot cope with their own corrupt officials. And for me, it's reasonable question arises from here. uh, How many other countries they will destroy if they consider every manifestation, every act of Russian corruption as a uh, kind of Western yoke. Mm-hmm. So uh, the corruption in Russia is uh, systematic. So uh, I guarantee that they will continue to steal money. So that means, uh, But but it's the best example why it's impossible to negotiate with Putin, because uh, we cannot influence on Russian internal processes. We cannot influence uh, on the Russian corruption, for example. And if they um, explain uh, every internal problem by the Western uh, operation on something like this, we cannot do anything with it. The only real, external factors that could influence on Putin, it's a demonstration of power, unfortunately. Non, uh, other things uh, don't matter. Uh, the weakness is that provokes him, not, not strength. But uh, as as you already saw on this uh, example with uh, Western York, yes, Russian propaganda is not uh, so logical as people try to pretend, because because it's really strange to to talk about uh, any Western oppression, but The problem is, yes, first point why Russians, I I would say, prefer to believe in propaganda, because you know that if you want to find the truth, It's not so hard, even in modern Russia, you can use VPN, you can uh, receive alternative information, many people uh, have relatives in Ukraine, so it's, uh, and you can see contradiction uh, even inside Russian propaganda, but uh, first of all, of course, yes, it's fierce. I, I could admit, it's, it's not only imperial complexes, it's also fears, uh, because for years, Russians were convinced uh, that there is some threat from Ukraine, not only nuclear and biological uh, weapons, they were used as, pre, as pretext for the current invasion. But uh, even before this, um, for years, Russian propaganda maintained this atmosphere from some external threat from Russia and uh, from Ukraine. And it could sound paradoxically, but in the beginning of full-scale invasion, many Russians uh, felt some false sense of relief. So because uh, they tired from this uh, constant feeling of threat, and now they believe that this threat will be eventually eliminated and they will get a peaceful and friendly Ukraine near the borders, finally. So, uh, yes, fears is the first point. But uh, the second thing, not only fear, is that um, it's a kind of what I call uh, suicidal conformism. That means that yes, conformity it's a normal reaction to some events we cannot change, but you know we have some other reactions like escape or to fight. But unfortunately for Russian, conformism became the only the only reaction. And uh, it's even uh, became, as I call it suicidal, because if you uh, adapt with something that kills you, you will die eventually. So um, uh, that means that they, um, uh, they, they really, uh, according to sociologists, uh, they have a strong um, necessity to avoid the terrible truth. So Russians try to convene, convince themselves that uh, every uh, government act Every blow to the normal life was necessary, correct, and undertaken for their own good. Because, uh, you know, we, I mentioned some contradictions in the Russian propaganda. Uh, for example, on the one hand, uh, they, uh, propagandists say about peaceful Russia. Uh, which was not planning to invade Ukraine, and was drawn into this war by the United States. At the same time, uh, the uh, Kremlin propagandists openly discussed that they should destroy the country with the nuclear weapons for example and uh, on the one hand they say that russia was forced to start so-called special military operation but on the uh, and uh, it's uh, the united states did it and destroyed the current world order but uh, this are promoted in tandem with statements that as a destruction of Anglo-Saxon's world order, it's a Russian historical mission. Uh, for example, the propagandists love to say that this is the war not with Ukraine but with NATO, but at the same time they say that all almost the majority of Ukrainian people are infected by Nazism and they should de- Ukraine And uh, denazification means de-Ukrainization of the whole Ukraine. Now Margarita Simonyan again uh, said that it's a civil war in Ukraine. They used this narrative before, but only for Donbass. But they never denied before uh, that Russia invaded Ukraine in this so-called special operation. But now Simonyan denied the very fact of this invasion. Uh just just recently she uh, didn't deny it, she uh, found some justifications for this invasion and pretext. But now uh they say that Russia didn't attack Ukraine, it was a civil war. Russia just uh joined to the one side, and she didn't mention NATO. And it's uh, even uh pro-Kremlin sociologists admit that uh the result of focus groups. People don't understand goals of so-called special operation, but they support it, nevertheless. That means this is confirmed. And, isn't,
0: and uh, if we cut through the propaganda and the <laughs> so many different messages that come out of Siminyan and others, essentially, what they're using is the tactic of terrorists, isn't it? You, you take hostages, you kill your hostages, and then you blame somebody else that you were forced to do it. And if you look at the, and this is a very unpopular view in Russia, which is why I'm definitely going to express it. um, This is the same tactic used by the Nazis. Uh, They always blamed their victims for the crimes that they had committed. And they also had this extraordinary victim complex, which I think in the end, might start as propaganda, but the propagandists end up believing their own narratives. And now we see this happening in Russia too, don't we?
1: Yes, uh, I, 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 I know. I think about, uh, you're absolutely right. They do it uh, for all these years. When they blame the victim, it's what's going on. For example, just um, on the full scale invasion, uh, when I talked with uh, Michael Khodorkovsky, you, you probably know, uh, know him, he, one of the leaders of Russian opposition. I've
0: uh, seen him speak and, in London, so uh, yes, I know. yes, I know of yes. him,
1: yeah. And, and uh, uh, he told me that probably the only thing that Russians could not understand under this propaganda Massive propaganda, it's people suffering, people, humans grief, some story about humans grief. So we started to share this story in the beginning of the war. And I mean, full-scale war, second Ukrainian war, as we can call it. Uh, And after a week, uh, a week after we started, Russian propaganda uh, began to do the same. So just uh, to use uh, pictures of Mariupol and some ca- kinds of people suffering and blame Ukrainians in this, and it was so so shocking and cynical to use the war crimes uh, in order to justify the other war crimes. So uh, and um, and people even uh, didn't think that. Uh, just before the Russian invasion, it was a happy and peaceful city. It started because of Russia. It really looked, you know, like some fascists who came, I don't know, from the moon, from the space, I don't know from nowhere, just were destroying Russian cities. That's it right. was an like emotional, emotional impression from this. But uh, anyway, people knew that Russia started the war, uh, despite all these emotional impressions. So, uh, yes, and um, what about, you said, uh, in what propagandists believe?
0: The propagandists, think- they they now, I get the sense, believe some of their own narratives?
1: Uh, some, in some of the narratives, I would say, because, uh, because you know, um, the, now, uh, if, if we're uh, talking about fears, the main fear now, it's not lu- nuclear and biological weapon and all this uh, crazy stuff. The main fear now is quite logical that we l- we will be destroyed if we lose. We don't have other options except except victory. They already say sometimes uh, that it's not important how justified the war really was. It doesn't matter if it works to start it. The main thing now is uh, that we should support Russia in in a what time because it's our only chance to survive. And it's true, not for Russia, but it's true for them, for Putin's regime, for his criminals, yes. For them, it's the only chance to survive, because otherwise they will have a new Nuremberg. <laughs> so, uh, in, and um, like, a war criminal, like war criminals. So uh, for them, yes, and they believe. They believe in very cynical postulate that uh, the end justifies all means, mm. and um, you know. And sometimes some Russian people also believe in such a concept. So, uh, and many people. That's it's another. It's another reason, except conformism, why they support this war that anyway, we don't have any other country, we don't have any option to live, so we, we should survive. I, I think propagandists believe in, in this uh, point. And uh, the last the last reason why people uh, so easy believe in propaganda, uh, the, uh, just some, you know, deep, um, uh, deep change in Russian mentality because uh, you know, the majority of Russians support the war, not actively, but passively. Like, like, conformists. Uh, so they, they prefer just not to think about it. They want to distract themselves by the internal, world, as people say, internal immigration, the small personal world. But anyway, uh, they, 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 they approve. Every single government does. Uh, we have some radicalized, passionate minority, uh, and that's why Russian propaganda is so contradic- uh, contradictory. Uh, it's, it's unfortunately, it's quite logical uh, that Russian propaganda contradicts itself because every group of Russian population could choose the most appropriate explanation for them and successfully forget about others. They just prepare different narrative for different social groups. Because if people want to believe, it's easy for them just to find something appropriate. And uh, problems, but even if people are passive uh, conformist, anyway, all this atmosphere of hatred and uh, fears, it affects them subconsciously. And they live in an absolutely different alternative world where the West hates Russia for the very fact of its existence and dreams to destroy it. And uh, pursue these goals regardless of Kremlin's behavior. And in this world, it's natural since it's normal since to to use a nuclear and biological weapon against your enemy. So they really believe that the West thinks uh, so. They even cannot imagine that in normal world it's just impossible to use such means. So it's 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 absolutely like a different universe. We and come back to this universe for years. Yes, yes but, For yeah. you, everything looks logical.
0: Absolutely, and and um, this didn't just begin in uh, twenty fourteen or last year. This has really been ramping up, hasn't it, since uh, two thousand and eight and the invasion of Georgia. Then you had the Bolotnaya.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, yes, uh, they started to blame the West, but uh, the uh, picture of the world was no, not, not so crazy, not so ap- uh, apocalyptic. Uh, mm-hmm. So for example, uh, during Medvedev's time, Russians believed that yes, uh, America, it's a Russian, uh, maybe not enemy, but opponent, and wants to weaken Russia, But it's some rules of this war, for example, they could use uh, some orange revolutions, but not nuclear weapon, for example, it was not, uh, not the case. At that time, so uh, the, world, the world view wasn't so insane at, before the 2014, uh, but now it's, it's completely insane and people so accustomed to this uh, world, uh, world view that they cannot reflect its abnormality. Lack of knowledge—it's about perception. That's the problem, and it's—it's it's, uh, create some not adequate expectation, social expectation. For example, uh, probably you know about the growth of popularity of uh, Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin in recent years, and it's combined with a fall of Putin's rating just before the full-scale invasion. What does it mean that people waited for a new Stalin? And uh, Putin didn't meet these conditions anymore. Uh, when our friends from Navalny's team were so happy that rating of the United Russia dropped uh, uh, just, just as a, a couple of last years before the invasion, I, I warned them that we have another problems. Yes, people uh, didn't like Putin at that point, Mm -hmm. but they didn't like uh, the liberal opposition either. They wanted some kind of new Stalin. And I warned uh, these guys that uh, if uh, Putin will meet these criteria again, Mm -hmm. he will be popular. Again, and that's exactly, uh, in, in my report, I explained this, uh, things in my report for the Atlantic Council and unfortunately it came true. In, after the beginning of the war, uh, he against, um, became uh, like an image of um, some protector who finally can protect Russia against this external threat uh, and uh, about the desire. Uh, people in Russia also has, uh, have some strong desire for social justice. But uh, when Russian oligarchs uh, fell under sanctions for, for the majority of population, it was an example of social justice. Finally, these traitors, could not uh plan to plan the country anymore, and they will have to return to Russia and work for in Russia and so on. So, yes, and uh, Putin's rating increased, it's it's true. Already had some uh, uh inadequate expectation uh, based on propaganda,
0: and Navalny's team really did hold back from, I think, expressing opinions about the invasion of Crimea, because I think whether they supported it or not, they knew that it would be deeply popular within the Russian public. And I think even oh. now, when you speak to many Ukrainians, um, <laughs> they have some serious doubts about Navalny's team, despite all the excellent reporting that actually that team are doing now, that the stations have oh, set you, up the TV, they're know. doing great work, but there's this suspicion That they still will pander Uh, to the imperial.
1: I I remember that Camille is not a sandwich. Yes, he's he's, he's, But uh, you know, I I think uh, it was a game. I don't think that he really thinks so. Uh, For uh, you know, I talked with uh, Lubov Sobel when he came to San Francisco about this point, and she had uh, she she said um, a good uh, a good. phrase that Navalny could never start this war. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we should make a difference on the one hand, uh, if he would be a president, of course, he would not annex Crimea. Yes. uh, His phrase doesn't mean that he needs Crimea. He he never wanted it. But he tried to uh, survive in Russia, survive not only as a human, but also as a, a politician. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he uh, tried to be popular so he made some compromise with uh with regime uh but it didn't help him as we see now and now he can be uh, more honest because he has nothing to lose mm-hmm. he is in prison unfortunately and he deserves i think a big respect in this regard yes. because he turned to russia he had the opportunity not to do it
0: Mm-hmm. and he knew and, what uh, was going to happen he knew exactly I know I pain. know.
1: Uh, they opened a case against me for discrediting yes. the Russian army and many other people so we know that if we come back we will be in jail uh, but you know we have we, we have a right not to come back I mean moral right because we are not politicians
0: mm-hmm.
1: and for experts and journalists uh, we, we are brought not only for our own safety but also for for deal what we do for 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 the course uh, for for our business because in, in prison we simply wouldn't uh, couldn't do what we are doing so uh, and now we have we have opportunity to do more but as a politician as a Russian politician. Of course, he uh, realized that it's impossible to uh, to influence on the political situation in Russia from abroad. So he decided to uh, go this way until mm-hmm. the end. And of course, it deserves great respect. Yeah. But uh, I, I think I think all his games to be uh, not so radical if you walk in Russia. It's everything about this. Um, The problem is, is now he he doesn't support this Uh, war. The problem is, uh, you know, I think the the question is not relevant anymore just because uh, Russia, after all these invasions, other invasions, has no chance to maintain its borders anymore. Mm -hmm. So the collapse of Russia will be unavoidable and it will touch Crimea anyway with other occupied areas. Uh, if they didn't occupy other areas, I would also have doubts what Navalny will do, but I think that if a Russian empire will crash, this process will be inevitable. so it's
0: And This is really interesting. I mean, this is the one topic that all the Russian trolls, the Kremlin propaganda trolls, this is the one issue that sends them into an absolute frenzy, isn't it? It's when uh, Westerners or, or any opposition start talking about the disintegration of Russia, not necessarily a process guided or controlled by the US, not by external forces. I think we all believe that this is a change that, that may be inevitable and it's an internal change, not one you know, run by the CIA. Um, But it drives them absolutely crazy. And I've heard... I I know even in
1: the the, uh, disintegration of the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. uh, the United States were afraid of this uh, scenario and even tried to prevent it.
0: Absolutely. And uh, Gaidar and others wanted to really try to avoid that and have an alternative solution to the disintegration Mm -hmm. of the Soviet Union. And of course, that didn't work out. But I think what's interesting is listening to Khodorkovsky, you know, even... Two years ago, I think he would not have expressed the view that the disintegration of the Russian Federation was either desirable or possible. And I think he's changed his point of view on that, that uh, it's the only it, way to bring it, it, democracy.
1: It, it's, yes, he changed uh, his view first, first of all, because uh, the danger from Russia is now so great that it could be less evil, First of all, and the second point, it's not about his desire, even his mind. He just understands that uh, these processes became inevitable, I'm afraid. And unfortunately, or fortunately, but Russia put uh, a mine under itself now. Uh, It can uh, seize this Ukrainian areas, but uh, couldn't maintain it in the future. Uh, But the problem is is, that we are going to the other part of our discussion. The problem is that uh, for now, as I see it, uh, Putin has resources for prolonged war for about at least for a couple of years, I guess. And uh, the problem is that uh, it's not only internal resources but he takes them from other countries. If we talk about Kremlin's narratives abroad, uh, we should return to our um, favorite um, Western York, because yes, it sounds funny, especially about paying tribute in, mm. in the form of Russian corruption, but it very well works with post-colonial countries. They play on their complexes. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably you remember that Lavrov, Sergei Lavrov, it's a Russian foreign ministry, yeah. said that one of uh, the goals of uh, the so-called military special operation in Ukraine is to liberate the world from the uh, new post-colonial So, and uh, you know that, uh, and I think that, uh, first of all, if we want to uh, counter this message, uh, we should. to show our Eastern friends, what exactly Russia calls under the world liberation. Russia means, uh, I mean, show to, uh, uh, to them all Mariupol, the Volnovakha, and other destroyed Ukrainian towns and cities, what Russia calls liberated. So if they want uh, a liberation in Russia's trials, they should think twice. Mm -hmm. And another point that uh, post soviet countries uh, have a very good potential in interaction to the uh, eastern, uh, to post-colonial countries in Pacific Mm -hmm. region and Asia and Africa, because uh, this country know on their own example uh, how to fight against new colonial oppression but only not from the U.S., from Russia, Uh, because I myself conducted a lecture, uh, presentation in one Indian foundation, a geopolitical foundation. And, you know, uh, the young people, they were absolutely pro-Western, but older guy, he was... Russian, he cited all these Russian propaganda narratives uh, because do you good Soviet-Indian uh, relationship uh, in the uh, Cold War? And of course, these people don't trust uh, Western countries. It's obviously, but I used, even before Sergei Lavrov, <laughs> this argument that... Um, Ukraine is a former Russian colony who is fighting for its independence. And for them, it was so close and understandable argument. So that's why I think we should use it now because uh, when Russia tries to pretend, tries to pose itself as a victim of uh, neo-colonial oppression, it sounds ridiculous. But for Absolutely. other countries, it's natural. They also try to um, split uh, Europe, of course. For example, for European audience, Russian outlets uh, try to intimidate them by prolonging the war and uh, working worsening inflation, risking on nuclear confrontation and intensifying the flow of uh, migrants, and... Um, with African countries, they try to intimidate them um, by famine and so on. Uh, and of course, they don't say that it's Russia blocking the Ukrainian ports, and people cannot uh, cannot receive uh, food. So, uh, what 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 ties? And of course, China. Of course, China, uh, they have their own interests in supporting Russia uh, because of China's own confrontation with the United States Uh, and uh, in the domestic level. Russian propaganda cannot work in China, but Chinese domestic propaganda repeats Russian narratives, at least in the part of, of, of blaming the US and the West. And the second point, China is interested in, G- in cheap um, um, oil and gas supplies in increasing its influence in uh, SCO Shanghai's Cooperation Organization and so called BRICS B R I C S um, So, of course, now it's in China's interest somehow support Russia. Of course, China will not help Russia in detriment to its own interest. And in the long game, uh, Beijing is interested in weakening Russia, Mm -hmm. but... For some and uh, increasing Russia's dependence on China, it's obviously they are not real friends, it's <laughs> and China will never consider Russia as someone equal uh, to it. But anyway, for now, for now, Putin can use these resources. So, what I, what I can suggest in, is a countermeasures. About Asia country, I already said that uh, how we can refute this neocolonial narrative. With European countries also, Russia tries to uh, make an impression that they are also not actors, just subjects manipulated by the United States. They uh, don't have sovereignty and the US uses them in detriment to their own interest, something like this, and of course, and they use all these examples with the World War Two and Hitler. It's a favorite topic. So why we cannot use the same analogies uh, and just to to remind our European allies that um, uh, Russia's actions threaten to the whole of Europe and the United <laughs> States and. Great Britain, just exactly like the previous times, has Europe cope with its internal problem. In New Hitler, we don't use Europe we help. European people. Uh, in relation to Israel, it's also interesting. Uh, we can show them. I don't. I never uh, suggest to lie, just to show the truth. Because in Russian propaganda, in Russian narratives, so many uh, sometimes self-incriminated moments and contradictions that we should uh, should just show these truths to our allies with Israel, for example. Um, You know, uh, if we are talking about, uh, uh, we can show that Russian pro Kremlin channels, telegram channels, uh, these channels are under direct control of Russian presidential administration, Alexei Gromov. They um, spread some crazy conspiracy theories about, you know, Juvik Masonic plot uh, to destroy Russia and Ukraine and...
0: uh, And Poland seeking to invade and carve up Ukraine is another popular...
1: Yes, yes, but it's not about Israel. About Israel, they cite all these crazy conspiracy theories, uh, which always existed in Russia, but before the full-scale evasion, they were no mainstream. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a small difference. Russia always spread uh, in mainstream media conspiracy theories. Of course, of course, blamed the West. It was normal, but they didn't use this. A radical anti-Semitic series about Jewish world government who wants to destroy all Slavic and Orthodox civilization, and blah blah blah. You know, like QAnon style uh, conspiracy series, yeah. uh, something really crazy. They tried to avoid use them in the mainstream channels. Now they started. And Lavrov because
0: is a good example, Lavrov's Lavrov statement.
1: Is, and that's why yeah. it was not a, a reason, it was a consequences of mm-hmm. this trend when Lavrov's uh, yes, uh, absolutely right. Lavrov started to say about Jewish, uh, Hitler's having uh, Jewish blood and all this bullshit, so yes. Uh, it's it, it just an unavoidable consequences of such tendency. So we should to sh- uh, we should show to our Israeli allies this tendency because the problem is, of course, Putin do- doesn't want to spoil relationship with Israel. He wants just to discredit President Zelensky who is Jew and to mobilize this uh, radical, passionate, part of Russian society who are not conformism, who are really radical, who need some idea. And uh, he tries to give them the image of uh, some misanthropic and huge great enemy, like uh, the world government or something like this. And, um, uh, and that's why they use this series. So uh, if they want to control this radical part of society, I've got one one question left. Uh One
0: one question left because I know we're almost out of time, unfortunately, Uh but there are rumors of purges and conflict within the Russian elite. How likely are these to result in a coup against Putin? And what chaos is likely to follow a successful change of regime in Russia?
1: Well, I have two news here, good and bad. Uh, uh, Good news that contradictions uh, among Russian elites and different Kremlin towers, as we say, uh, really exist, it's true, it always was, and now it's even obvious uh, how, for example, uh, a power, uh, a Kremlin tower of Siloviki, uh, special forces and army, uh, power tried to uh, destroy so-called systematic liberals. Uh, even in a Solovyov's TV show, Solovyov, is a main Russian propagandist, so his show goes on uh, main Russian TV channels in the prime time. Uh, they openly call for repression from, for example, social economical block of the Russian government. They never directly called for to, to put people in prison uh, people from russian government from another part of elites it's obvious it's a good news the b- bad news it cannot um, come to cope because uh first of all they are all of them involved in putting crimes they're afraid of uh, any chaos or uh, the regime and uh You know, yes, people, uh, Russian oligarchs and officials lost a lot because of sanctions, but they didn't lose anything, everything. So, uh, because Russian government compensated them some money, uh, in rubles, uh, yes, but anyway, uh, they received a lot of uh, money uh, in exchange of property they lost abroad. And they can go abroad to rest, for example, with all this money, not to Europe, but to Thailand, for example, to, to Dubai, uh, I don't know, Saudi Arabia and so on. So to Vietnam, if, if, if they want to go to some warm part of the world just to rest on a, on a seaside, it's, uh, it's, it's possible for them. But after the changing the regime, they will lose everything. So, uh, they will try to destroy each other, but I don't think they are ready for real uh, co-attempt.
0: Ksenia, this has been absolutely fascinating. I very much look forward to reading more of your articles and uh, Thank you. Thank really you. grateful for you to spend so much time talking to me.